Good morning. My name is Rod Conant. Thanks for tuning in to the Triangles Warning News here on WPTF. Uh, Over the weekend, body cam footage of the Tyree Nichols uh, arrest and beating in Memphis, Tennessee was released. Uh, We saw protests in numerous cities across the country over the weekend, including right here in downtown Raleigh. Joining us now to talk about the Tyree Nichols situation, retired police lieutenant uh, Steve Halk spent several years managing high-profile cases. He has experience with coordinating uh, multidisciplinary efforts. Steve, thanks for joining us this morning. Morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, so the body cam footage was released on Friday. I'm assuming you you have watched it. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Well, you know, it's it's quite lengthy. So um, in the good thing about this is you have several different angles. You have both the body-worn cameras, and then you have the pole camera, which to me I think is the most compelling video because uh, you get to see it from a broad perspective, not just from the perspective of, of individual officers. But um, it, it's obvious there that um, none of the officers involved followed uh, standard protocols uh, in policing uh, overall. Uh, so I, it's no surprise to me that uh, the grand jury came back rather quickly with indictments on all of them. What what's the uh, significance of that being released relatively quick, and, and how reliable is is body cam video? Like you said, there are multiple angles, which is different than other past situations we've seen. So I'm uh, I'm a believer in in cameras. You know, I, I date back to when we used dash cameras and body worn cameras, so I'm familiar with both of them uh, extensively. I'm for it. I always have been for it. However. Uh, you have to remember that when you're when you're dealing with especially either dash cams or body cams, that a camera doesn't react like the human eye does, right? You see things as a a person sees differently through their eye than say a camera lens does. It doesn't show the whole perspective. That's why for me the the pole camera is so important because it shows a wider span, not just you know sort of tunnel vision that each individual officer has. Is is it just me or or does it seem like? When, when something like this happens, which I think we all agree happens way too, way too often, uh, but police departments release the body cam footage on a Friday w- with the potential of, of you know, protests and, and potential riots during the weekend. Is that just a coincidence? Uh, I hope it wasn't a coincidence. Uh, you, you know, you know, in, in, in media, Oftentimes, you would, when you release bad news, right, it's on a Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, you hit the send button, and then you hit the door. Yeah. Uh, that's a standard practice across the industry, as you know. Uh, however, uh, in this case, um, I, I don't know if they were trying to compile. It is, it is a lengthy process to compile all that footage because uh, you just don't have the five officers involved. You have several other officers that at least have a periphery of involvement. Either they were searching for the suspect or whatever the case may be. So I imagine it was a quite a lengthy process to go through all of that footage and, and get it transferred over, you know, in a way that people could, could see it and hear it. Again, we're talking with retired police Lieutenant Steve Halk. Um, all five officers in Memphis have been fired and have been charged. Uh, the video, like a lot of people have mentioned, you know, it's already surfaced on social media. It's hard to stomach. Uh, just, just you know, the officers beating Tyree, using pepper spray multiple times. And, and Lieutenant Houck, uh, you're also a defensive tactics instructor, uh, which means you teach officers self-defense and arrest techniques, how to use pepper spray, how to properly use tasers, all of that. So how should have this arrest been handled? 
Well, that that's sort of the difficult part for me to look at it because you know we talk about use of force and evaluating it, which I've had to do many times. Uh, when you talk about that, you're looking at a couple things. Was the technique necessary, and was it uh, done properly? We're not necessarily looking for effectiveness all the time because that can vary from person to person and incident to incident. So we're looking for the two things. You know, did, was it needed, and did they do it properly? And right across from the very beginning of this case, it was all of it was done improperly. You had multiple officers giving different commands. Uh, the suspect, before he ran away, the, he's on the ground. Uh, they're telling him, you know, get down to the ground. He's on the ground. They're telling him face down. But if you look at the video again, you'll see that the officer holding the taser is also hold, with his other hand is holding the, uh, the suspect's arm. So it would have been impossible for him to lay face down because the shoulder doesn't rotate like that unless you break it. So uh, they're giving conflicting statements. So they're ramping up their use of force because he's not answering their commands. But it's impossible for him to answer their commands because they're giving him all kinds of verbal commands from different officers, tell them to do different things. And I know some people, I've heard some commentary, people saying, well, he shouldn't have ran away. Well, I can tell you, to me, what I think that is. And I, I try not to put myself in the mind of people because it's impossible to know what they're thinking. But to me, that's a clear uh, fight or flight, right? He's not able to fight because he's on the ground by several, pinned by several officers. He gets an opportunity to flee. He's fleeing. It's a, it's a complete human reaction that that's probably not even a conscious thing decision he made he realizes i'm doing what i'm being told and they're still hitting me they're still you know using force on me i got to get out of here so when he gets an opportunity to flee he flees um so uh, the other part of it um again it picks up uh, again after the, you know they've already started uh, going after him but a couple of things it seems like they make no real attempt to take him into custody because they keep yelling at him, show us your hands, but they're holding his hands. You know, get down on the ground, but he's on the ground. Uh, and I, the other part of it that's really disturbing is when he's on the ground, it's difficult to see if he's handcuffed or not, but uh, one officer basically winds up and kicks his head uh, several times. Uh, that would be deadly physical force. So, uh, you know, we have a, what we refer to as a, a force continuum, which means as the, the level of force is necessary to take the person under control. And it, it can go up and down. It, it's not like it goes up and stays up. If a person has a knife, you confront them with your weapon. You say, drop the knife. They drop the knife. Well, now deadly physical force is no longer necessary because they've dropped the knife. Well, this is the same sort of thing. He's on the ground. There's no need to kick him. And they kick him several times. That's deadly physical force. A boot to the head can kill you. Uh, the other thing is the baton. He uses a baton. It appears to me from the video that he that he, they roll him over and he strikes him in the back. Okay, a baton, that asp-type weapon, is a metal rod. Uh, striking the spine, again, can kill you or at the very least fracture your spine. Again, deadly physical force. We don't teach that only in the most extreme of situations, uh, which was not this case. So there's several instances there in which... Uh, in which uh, they go way over the bounds. And I can tell you from, from having seen this many times, uh, that if you, if you listen to it, there's a noise that the, uh, and I normally would refer to him as a suspect, and in this case he's a victim, uh, makes that sort of guttural growl. I've seen that many times in, in head injuries, uh, in car accidents, where you've seen like a, a brain trauma. They make that sort of growl, if you will. Uh, it doesn't sound like a cry for pain, uh, 
So to me, it seems like at that point, he probably has some type of head injury. Uh, that's what that noise is. Again, we're talking with retired police lieutenant Steve Halk. Uh, spent several years uh, managing high-profile cases, uh, also a defensive tactics instructor. Uh, and Lieutenant Halk, on Saturday, the Memphis mayor announced that the city is permanently disbanding uh, that crime-fighting unit that the police officers belong to, the, the so-called Scorpion unit. Um, do, you, do you think that's enough, or, or can more be done? What What is the next step for... The, this Memphis Police Department? Well, if I were to evaluate the, the police department based on what the officers, again, you're, you're talking about five officers here, right. a fairly large police department. So it's difficult, you know, based on the information that I know. Uh, however, one thing I would ask is what sort of atmosphere within the agency would these five goes on that would give these five officers comfort in knowing they could do what they did uh, and not get caught. Because obviously they they weren't looking to get in trouble. They had body cam footage on. They know that. They know they're being videoed. They're videotaping themselves. So uh, it's not like, you know, somebody was hidden in the bushes with a camera, you know, back to Rodney King, right? That was filmed across the highway. You know, they didn't have body cam footage. They did what they did. But uh, what would give them the idea that it was okay to do what they did to the extreme that they did, right? This wasn't like, uh, you know, they, they hit the guy one time, he hit his head on the ground and went to a coma. This was a, a, a long, sustained attack on an unarmed person who, uh, by all accounts, was a fraction of the size of one of those men. All of those men there seemed to be very large. Um, and I could just tell just by the techniques that they used. One, one of the, in the beginning, they used pepper spray and taser. That is an absolute no-no. Uh, you never use those two together. And the reason why that is, is pepper spray is suspended in aerosol alcohol, okay? Mm-hmm. It's isopropyl alcohol that makes the basically the liquid shoot the, the oleo capsicum out of the, basically pepper juice, if you will, out of the, it, out of the, the dispenser. It's alcohol-based. A taser is electric. When you yeah. apply those two, you get fire. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. Uh, Taser has been teaching for many, many years. I'm a, a Taser instructor. I was taught by people from Taser. Uh, that's a big no-no. You don't use those two together because it can literally catch someone on fire. Uh, there's plenty of videos. You can go to YouTube and see them if you want. Um, so just that alone makes me so that their technique was very poor. Uh, they, they weren't trained right or were just followed their tra- just basically ignored all their training. Is there something that... You know, all police departments across the country, like Raleigh, Durham, and every police department across the U.S., is there anything that they can learn from this tragic situation that happened in Memphis? I would love to say yes, but I can tell you that the things that they did in that video were so against the standard practices and training that we do that it's difficult to say. It wasn't like they they made a civil... I can tell you that initially when they first taken to the ground out of the car, uh, there is almost no scenario in which one individual should break free from three or four officers. Uh, again, it shows me that their technique was terrible, uh, and they weren't really making an attempt to take him into custody. Um, if anything, uh, I, I suppose agencies could look at uh, the amount of officers involved, because sometimes more officers involved can create bigger problems, because you almost have, a, if you will, a tug-of-war. On the suspect, you're trying to pull up towards you to take him into custody, and the other officers at the other end are pulling him towards him, and it seems like the person's fighting, uh, but they're not. 
they're basically just caught in the middle of, of this tug of war. Uh, and then that forces the officers, if you will, to ramp up their force. Uh, so I, I, I like to think you can learn something from everything, uh, but their, their technique and their, and their, uh, their actions were so poor that it seems it, it, it almost shocks the system to watch that. Retired Police Lieutenant Steve Halk joining us here on the Triangles Morning News. Uh, Lieutenant Halk, thank you so much for, for all your insight. We really appreciate it. That's my pleasure.